As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. everyone and welcome back to the Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong podcast. It's your girl Jacqueline back for another wet hot episode <laughs> with my summer favorite. I'm American. <laughs> we got all four words in the title in there. That's Jacqueline. I'm Mark oh. Ellis and I am so excited to talk about a movie that again this is I told our guest today yeah. that I was going to let him down in some regard. And and instantly everybody's mind is going to go to what well, you didn't like the movie that I'm coming on here to stump yeah. for not that at all. It's that this movie was released in 2001, and I saw this movie for the first time last night. Wow. Oh, And wow. given my history with the folks involved, given my adoration of their comedic talent since the mid-90s and a certain sketch show on MTV, it's nothing short of criminal. That I should is. be prosecuted for not having seen this film before now, but... Am I glad I did? We'll talk about it. Yeah, of course, ladies and gentlemen, this episode this week, we're talking about Wet Hot American Summer, the cult classic from 2001. And it was rated 20, sorry, 38% rotten on the tomato meter, but a 75%, that would be a certified fresh audience score if we had one. We have a guest here today who I think is probably the perfect uh, person to do this because it is a parody satire film. <laughs> and this man literally makes a living doing that along with other things. Of course, we're talking about Mr. Lon Harris, writer and co-host of the Binge Boys podcast. He joins us today. Lon, I will go ahead and say it. Give me your wet hot take. I'm sorry. I just really want to say <laughs> it every wet. time. It's a wet take. <laughs> wet hot take on is Rotten Tomatoes Wrong on Wet Hot American Summer. First of all, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. Great to be in studios sitting across yeah. from you in person. Yeah. Uh, I know. You have legs. Yeah. I uh, I love this movie. I, I've loved this movie for a long time. I was a big fan of The State, as you alluded to. Yes. Uh, I was a big fan of that on MTV. So I would, David Wayne, Michael Showalter, these guys were very much on my radar in 2001. I don't think I saw this in theaters, though. I think I caught up with this like one it hit video DVD I guess in that era. I don't remember it coming out I, I don't remember no, I was remember very it limited like lo indie basically like they it went to festivals and he thought it was gonna you know get picked up and it didn't it really didn't so USA Films ended up after fest its festival run kind of bought it from him for like 100k or some insultingly low offer and it barely came out in theaters yeah so because like, people compare it a lot of times to other cult comedy classics like for example Office Space, Office Space. it came yeah. out around the same time and you had the MTV shared DNA with Mike Judge making Office Space but Office Space had an ad campaign had it a was release. released in theaters right. yeah. I remember seeing the ads for it with the O-Face guy I saw Office yeah. Space in yeah same I, I, see I didn't see that in theaters either but at least I was yeah. aware Every of it with Wet Hot American Summer it's and, and we'll talk about it it's just it, it's the perfect sort of comedy that you put on when you and all your friends come back home from whatever right. fraternity party you try to get into that night in college <laughs> and you just watch it on repeat night after night after night and I missed it 
And yeah. I'm mad because this is exactly the kind of movie that I would have loved. And I saw it for the first time this morning. And I guess I'll kick off the festivities by saying Rotten Tomatoes is wrong with that 38%. So I yeah. would just go ahead and say I did not have the viewing experience that either one of you had. I saw this getting ready for the movie, uh, the baseball movie that starred Blake Jenner. Like, everybody wants some. Everybody, oh, everybody wants, wants some. Everybody that wants Richard some with the Richard yeah. Linklater. So we were doing a compilation listicle of teen comedy, sort of like, uh, like summer movie, like American Pie, this, Days and Confused. And it's like Confused. one of those like great like all-in-one-day movies. Like it's yes. got that Dazed and Confused yes. vibe where it's all one day and overnight. Yeah. yeah, and so we were basically compiling a list of these sort of like summer teen uh, ensemble movies. And that one was one of the ones that we do in there. And so that's when I first saw this. So it wasn't that long ago, whatever that movie came out, maybe five or six years ago, that I finally watched this one. And... I mean, is it 38% wrong? No, but it's still pretty rotten. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so you. sorry. I laughed at this movie. I had such a fun amount of time with this movie, but it is definitely not a movie that I'm like, oh yeah, this holds up. This is funny. Like, everybody in this, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it later. I don't think Rotten Tomatoes is that wrong. I think they're wrong-ish. I know y'all love me saying that. But my main thing is, is that this movie has literally like the dream team of comedy. Oh, yeah. Like, it's legitimately, <laughs> the most comedic genius minds out there. And if you're the director of this, all you have to do is give a premise, point, and shoot. And to me, you should be walking into an Academy Award winning <laughs> screenplay worth of comedy. And it wasn't that. And so this movie is funny and it's great, but it's almost sort of like the reverse Simone Biles. What else were you going to be with that much talent? <laughs> like, the fact that it wasn't, like, a masterpiece. I'm, like, looking at you kind of side-eyed. Like, Judd, Judd uh, Apatow. Apatow has made a career of doing this and has gotten way more credit, I think, for being a writer just by the fact that yeah. he always hires writers to be I in his, his I, I love you reaming this movie. Like, the, the, you're like you should have won an Olympic gold medal, but instead you yeah. were smoking dope with your friends outside the training facility. Just like the movie is meant to be. It is <laughs> Yeah, it's it supposed is to be not Michael Phelps, up. and yeah. it's like dog paddling <laughs> in the kiddie pool. Thank you. But even if it's good dog paddling, it's still like, you should be. Come on. Okay. Yeah, it's, well, but th th there's a lot about what whether this movie, I guess, achieved the goal yes. that it was going for versus what you would consider to be a normal slice of life right. teen comedy. So there's a lot to get into. Okay. It. Yeah, I, We're I gonna... feel like pound for pound, it's funnier than any of those like Judd Apatow. But like, it's, it's maybe not as accomplished like in terms of a piece of filmmaking. I'm but just... Uh, if you're going joke for joke, scene for scene, I think. You're Look. saying Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. Oh, you're Rotten saying Tomatoes. it's wrong. You're Couldn't saying it's wrong. Be more wrong. I'm saying not really if you really consider <laughs> all the facts is what I'm saying. But we have plenty to... to, to Holistically. Just, <laughs> Holistically, yeah. whatever. When I think, I think this is going to be much more judicial on my part. In the total, the totalitary. What is it? In the you, totality. You sound like Matt in the totality. Dillon. In there's yes, something about yes. Mary when you're <laughs> describing architecture. The totality of Look the evidence. It, it's totalitarian. <laughs> no, the totality of the evidence. You, sir. <laughs> the Estadico Olimpico. <laughs> when we get to it, we will, I think when we look at all the evidence all together, we will make it that I am probably right. But I want to give a quick shout out to <laughs> the 150 essential comedy movies to watch right now on Rotten Tomatoes. Please check it out as well as if you haven't already, check out the entry that we have on Wet Hot American Summer in our book, Rotten Movies We Love. We kind of have an idea of where we all stand on this. I'm going to try and not pretend like I'm a puppet <laughs> as we transition over to our favorite segment, Two Minutes with Tim. Two Minutes with Tim. 
Let's say you're a film critic and the year is 2001 and you've just seen Wet Hot American Summer, either at Sundance or just before its theatrical release. You are not watching a cult classic. You can't be sure if any of the actors will go on to become stars. You certainly don't know that many of your friends will be trading quotes from this movie 20 years from now, or that there will be events around the country to celebrate the anniversary of its release, or that there will be two spin-off series and a making-of documentary on Netflix, a company that currently only rents DVDs by mail and is more than a decade away from creating its own content. You don't know that this movie is eventually going to be someone's favorite movie. No, you can't know any of these things, because you are watching a new movie and you have a deadline to meet. I bring all this up because every once in a while I'll meet someone who insists that the critics were wrong about Wet Hot American Summer. But it's not like it was initially a huge hit with audiences either. It had some buzz at Sundance, but according to Box Office Mojo, it made less than $300,000 during its theatrical run. I always try to remind people that no one, not even film critics, can successfully predict a film's historical reputation after one viewing. And that's especially true of Wet Hot American Summer, a small movie that looked like a goofy lark at the time, but built up a feverish cult over the course of years. Wet Hot American Summer is rotten at 38% on the tomato meter with 76 reviews, and it has a 75% audience score. So what do the critics have to say? In a rotten review, Bruce Westbrook of the Houston Chronicle wrote, For all its failings, Wet Hot maintains energy and high spirits over most of its length. The trouble is, such energy and spirits are not infectious, and the movies it mocks were better. However, in a fresh review, Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly called it a loving and a meticulous recreation of the last moment before American youth culture went permanently ironic. The Rotten Tomatoes critics' consensus reads, Wet Hot American Summer's incredibly talented cast is too often outmatched by a deeply silly script that misses its targets at least as often as it skewers them. So that's Wet Hot American Summer. Jacqueline? Mark? Let's all promise that in 10 years from today, we'll meet again and we'll see what kind of people we've blossomed into. Or maybe I'll just see you folks at the office. Back to you. Way to go, Tim. I love this review that's technically a rotten review from Michael Atkinson of The Village Voice because I I kind of feel like it paints both sides of the aisle here. It's a comedy without a map. It will be loathed, but it might be ahead of its time. So maybe you could say that about Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that even if you're panning a movie, if you are a studier of film history, you can't predict it, but you can definitely be like, this has cult classic vibes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this has, yeah. like I I saw the trailer for Megan and I was like, I don't know if this is going to make money, but somebody's going to live for this, you know? Some, She's probably yeah. going to sing Titanium. <laughs> you know what I mean? This. Exactly. And everybody's going to go nuts. <laughs> exactly. And this is going to be something that people watch over and yeah. over again. Yeah. Sometimes know? I feel like people just put that label on a movie like it could be a cult classic because they don't know what else to do with it. But I mean, this, I mean, yeah. it, it, we'll, we'll talk about it, but I feel like this has a lot of different, th there's straight comedy in this, and then there's just complete spoof comedy, and then there's winking and nodding. There is a lot of irony. There is a, just a lot of ridiculousness. There's a, just a lot of stupidity, but it just, it, it all, it's a stew. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a comedic stew think, with a lot of ingredients. I yeah. think the one thing I would add is, I, I, like, to be, to be very, very fair to critics, and I think that that's good, but I think the one thing is, that you would add is it's not like spoof movies ever really got their due. Like I no. feel like always, even at the peak, the height of the parody movie phenomenon, it was always kind of like a, you know, like sort of stepchild yeah. genre that critics always kind of dumped on. Even like 
I, I remember as a kid when Naked Gun two and a half came mm. out, and I was like, it was like the movie that was the top of my list. I was so the excited. Funniest of the three. Right? I mean, yeah, I mean, I yeah. loved Frank Drab and I loved that stuff. And like the, the all the reviews were kind of savage. You're like, oh, that's mediocre. Mm-hmm. Some of the jokes work, some of them don't. And so I feel like there's always kind of a, a problem with this genre where it's just it's not critics' favorite. I mean, yes and no, because it depends. They just, they like who they like in that genre. If you make yourself a parody artist, I think it's like, you can do it. Like, because Mel Brooks is, he's been banger after banger. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, even, but even, I mean, like, but but by even, the time you got this, the Spaceballs era, fair. which I think my favorite, of, one of my favorites of his, but that movie got dumped it on. It feels after. like you had a handful of spoof movies that came out in the 70s and 80s. Not even toss like a Dr. Strangelove in there, where you have Mel Brooks and then you have Blazing Saddles. And, and like the Zucker Abraham yeah. Young Frank side. Then you had yeah. Airpoint in 1980. And it feels like critics just stamped those all as these are the spoof classics. And then nothing else could ever follow it. Even if a movie like Top Secret, I think, is funnier yeah. than Airplane. Well, and, I mean, hot, and like, like Hot Shots, I think, is hysterical. But well, it just doesn't quite I mean, even get like to do. When Black Dynamite blew up at, I think it was Sundance or one of the festivals. And like even that, like... That's one of the best parody movies ever friggin' made. And even that one didn't get like a huge upsurge of critics behind it. Like you had to kind of find that one on your own. So I like, I always feel like these movies are overlooked no matter how good or bad they are. I think with parody with anything, and I think we'll I'll talk about this. If you have familiarity with what's being parodied, it's going to be something. And I will just say, by the time we're getting to things like Wet Hot American Summer and Spaceballs, you're already parodying things that a lot of these people didn't necessarily have the emotional resonance to sure. the first time around true. as you start to progress around. And I think that is really what what ends up happening because, yeah, the parody of Gangster's Paradise for me is is always going to like, that Weird Al song is going to mm-hmm. hit harder because of how much I played Gangster's Paradise. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah. Amish Paradise versus Gangster's Paradise. I'm sorry. I don't have the same emotional resonance to American Pie with Don McLean. Like, the fact that you did the Yoda story <laughs> with that one doesn't hit as hard for me. Right. Like, I, I don't care about, yeah. you know, so I think it's a, a little bit of that. But let's go dive into that as well as some of our favorite moments, favorite cameos. This, again, is a very stacked cast as we transition over into our movie talk section. So I think with this one, before we dive deep into the existential of it, because this is another one of these movies that's like, you know, we're talking about it. And I don't think anybody, the week that it came out, the weekend of uh, 2001, would be think we'd be talking about it 10 years later, let alone 22 years later. So what do you think about this film rose above all of the other things to sort of bring it into this cult classics uh, sort of like? categorization. Yeah, I think I think Mark kind of touched on it. There's a certain kind of ensemble comedy. Like these often get sort of labeled as stoner movies, but I don't think you necessarily need mm. to be a stoner to like this kind of movie. I'm sure it probably helps. <laughs> it helps. It always helps. I mean, it helps with any kind of movie, let's be honest. But uh <laughs> I think where it's it's a fun movie to put on when you've got friends over. It's it's a movie where it's less about the the plot that you you know you got to get into movie. that narrative. But it's right you like hanging out with the characters in that world. Days to Confuse to me maybe like the 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 greatest example of this genre of all time of a movie I just like to throw on because I just enjoy those people and like hanging out with them in their world. And I think this is very much a, a familiar there. And like especially because the cast is so stacked that no matter when you. You could drop out, you could drop back in, and here's a funny beat with Elizabeth Banks and Paul mm. Rudd, or here's a funny thing that uh, Chris Maloney is doing unexpectedly. I or think whatever. watching this movie, I think, is how non sports fans treat a Super Bowl party. 
where yeah. they're like, yeah, look, it's exciting. I'll I'll drift in and out of the game. Exactly. If it's good at the end, I'll be paying attention. I'm here for the commercials, but I'm here for the event. I'm just here to like hang. And if I get a couple good scenes, then I'm happy. This is the kind of movie like a Dazed and Confused where you put it on and you don't necessarily have to watch it start to finish because you've seen it beat by beat. And I'm just, and I'm saying this is a guy yeah. who first saw this movie well, this and, morning. And oh, because last there's night. no, yeah. there, it's not like threads that get pulled like, oh, if you miss that part, you're not going to like, it's it's almost like a collection of sketches in some way, yeah. which makes sense because it's a sketch comedy. Yeah, the more you will movie. this movie into being a normal structured film, the less you're <laughs> going exactly. to get out of it. Because to your point, you can label it a stoner movie. But to me, I think a lot of people put the label stoner movie onto anybody who is going to be, who's going to respond to this movie who isn't sitting in the front of the classroom. Because like I wasn't a stoner in high school, I laughed at all that stuff. Right, I didn't. I wasn't actively getting high, but I still had that comedic sensibility, that a little bit of resisting authority. Right, I loved this genre five years before I had ever ingested yeah. a single the drug. Re- the rebellious, like you don't have to rebellious. Yeah. Oh, whatever, it's teen angst. It's rebellious angst that is either either sort of being performed in hypersexuality or hyperviolence or you know liking certain types of music that is very contradictory to your parents or being like really crude and really brash with your friends and your level of comedy. And I think this all sort of like plays into it. But do you think, do you think this one in particular had something? Because there was a, there was a bubble up afterwards and I don't think it was just the hangout. Do you think it was the cast itself as they became bigger? Do you think it was some, I would say, is there like a memorable scene that everyone sort of like had to be like, if you're putting it on, if I'm putting on Dazed and Confused and being like, look at Matthew McConaughey. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I want you to see this Woodward guy. I want you to see this uh, party they throw. Right, because nobody in the cast necessarily blew up overnight yeah. right when this came out. I mean, Bradley Cooper's in it, but again, this is 2001, and he didn't really get a lot of heat until after Wedding Crashers. Yep. Yeah. And even then, it wasn't until The Hangover in, what, 2007. Sort of the same trajectory as, like, a Paul Rudd and Elizabeth Banks, folks like that. So you right. knew some folks from SNL. You had Molly Shannon, Amy Poehler, who were getting big from SNL. But again, you you can't tell the story of Wet Hot American Summer without going back to MTV Sketch Show The State, which is the mid-90s. It, it hit right when I was in high school, and I'm watching it, and it's Michael Showalter. It's David Wayne who directed the movie. Um, they, they Joe Latrulio, the Ken Marino, they're yeah. both... Uh, the, yeah, they the, they're uh, uh, Michael Ian Black. Black yeah. Yeah. So w- seeing them in anything, I was like, oh, this is, this is now on my radar. I'm going to like this movie because it had them in it. And so in the same way that I think a lot of people would revisit this movie or maybe come to it the first time because, hey, I'm a huge Paul Rudd fan. I love the 40-year-old virgin and I saw this funny guy. I want to go back and see what else he's in. That was me, you know, thinking this could be a great movie simply because it has folks from a show that I loved, The State. And then also the SNL doesn't doesn't hurt it at all. Yeah, I also think there's, there's a sweetness to this that a lot of these kinds of teen movies or stoner movies or whatever, there's like, it's, it's that American pie. It's that crude, Mm. it's that crude raunch humor, which has its place and I like it and can be fun. But I think this movie kind of undercuts that a lot and, and makes that the joke. Like there's that scene where the guys find out that Bradley Cooper and Michael Ian Black's characters are gay. And at first, it looks like it's going to become like a gay bashing kind of they're going to they're going to bully them. But then they buy them a chains lounge at Crate and Barrel as like a housewarming <laughs> gift. And it, it, it takes the, the sweetest, yeah. warmest possible turn. Hey, McKinley and Ben, this is for you. It's a chaise lounge. We didn't know if maybe you guys already had one. We have the receipt if you do. No, we don't have one. Thank you. And I think that's kind of 
Showalter and Wayne's sensibility just generally. And I think that that comes through so nicely in this. And it does make it a more, a fun kind of alternative to some of the other kind of teen movies that are more focused on like getting laid and like, you know, beating up the kids from the other camp or like whatever the more. And camp in general. sort of is, material. Would I, be. I mean, you know, before we were all hanging out with our friends necessarily by, by choice, we we're like, hey, let's all, let's all meet at this place because we all want to go there. A lot of kids went to camp and that was what you did during the summer. And whether you loved it, whether you hated it, whether you had a romance, whether you never got to first base with anybody, you still have that kind of shared memory of what camp was like, either as being a kid there or being a counselor. And so there's there's a lot of uh, Americana baked into this premise, too, because as soon as I put the movie on, I'm like, OK, half of this is trying to pay homage to Bill Murray's meatballs. Yeah. And half of this is sort of spoofing meatballs, which is sort of tied into the fact that Paul Rudd is reading a Rolling Stone <laughs> yeah. that has Bill Murray on the cover, mm. and the 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 movie the move that this film did right at the beginning that telegraphed this is not like a traditional camp comedy. This is going to be winking and nodding and making fun of itself and being self reverential and being self deprecating all at the same time. Was the first kiss that you see between Paul Rudd and, <laughs> and, and, and his oh, book? Uh, yeah. It's uh, Marguerite Moreau is yeah. the actress. Oh, yeah, okay. I thought it was the Paul they, Rudd. They have the this sloppy. Yeah full of tongue, no lip kiss. They're ba basically just licking each other's tongues. And right there, you're like, I know what this movie, at least me, yeah. I was like, I know what tone this movie's going for. And then Ken Marino shows up for the first time right after that. And I'm like, I love everything this movie's throwing at <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I'm just getting disgusted by that kiss again because I'm visualizing it. And yeah. I'm just like, oh, it was oh so, like, so like, good. Because your face is wet after that. Like your face is wet and cold. Yeah. And their hot breath yeah. is like, oh. And apparently every day during filming this movie, it rained. Oh, so, yeah. like, yeah, think of, like, were, that kiss in the rain. It was not either. It was a wet summer, but it was definitely in the It was, it was a wet spring. Like, everything yeah. looked so overcast in this entire It was, entire it was like, March, April, because they had to shoot before the camp actually mm -hmm. functioned Open. as a camp. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely wet. I definitely <laughs> want to add this one also into... Uh, so, I definitely know what Michael Showalter did. Again, another little thing. He, nom he uh, the Oscar-nominated script, uh, The Big Sick, sure. starring Emily V. Gordon, yep. friend of both of ours. Yep. And uh, also, and my, name is, yeah. Yeah, my, name, my is name is... Yeah, My Name is Doris. Eyes and Tammy Faye, which was the Jessica Chastain. So he's he's gotten people to the Oscars a few times since here, which I think is crazy. What's David Wayne? Like, I did not know what he got into after this because he definitely seemed to make this very much his. Well, he did. Uh, they came together, that oh, Paul Rudd, right. Amy Poehler one, yes. which is like kind of a spiritual follow up to this one. I I would love to see him do more. I, I wish he was just like, making I really more wonder parodies. about him because I know Show Walter sort of blew up. And most, a lot of the guys. He does TV stuff. Yeah, he does TV Wayne stuff? feels like one of those guys who punches up every script. Yeah, I feel yeah. like he does TV like, let's comedy. Let's have David Wayne stuff. do a pass, whether it's a big comic book movie Probably. or whether it's an indie comedy. Yeah. Let's make sure. David Wayne gets his eyes on this. Also, it sort of feels like that. Stella was the other one we haven't mentioned. He and, and Showalter and Michael Ian Black were in a really great comedy troupe together post-date called Stella that had like a Comedy Central it show. It was Comedy Central, right. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, that was this, it was like this kind of like, it had a plot, like there was a sitcom and they were roommates and there were stories, but it was absurd Sur as well. Totally like, absurd and, yeah. and um, added to there. Let me get to my Sabone Biles of it all. Okay. <laughs> this cast. Yeah. Look. Amy Poehler, Bradley Cooper, Elizabeth Banks, Christopher Maloney, Molly Shannon, Ken Marino, Joe Tarullo, Michael Ian Black, not to mention uh, Marguerite Moreau, Paul Rudd, Michael Showalter, Janine Garofalo, David Jean Hyde Garofalo, Pierce. David Hyde Pierce. All those names. 
<laughs> there's Oscar. And there's also, there's a lot of guys that you'd recognize, like A.D. Miles yep. is one of the day. Like, yep. where yes. as soon as you see them, you're like, that guy I know from Comedy Bang Bang or from this show or from Sketches and This or from this, you know, comedy. Like, a lot of faces you'll recognize from the world of comedy, even if you don't know them. It's name. part of the treat of rewatching it for a lot of folks and for me seeing it the first time some 20 odd years later is that there are those moments where it's like, oh, I like him. Right. Or I like her, so now I'm going to like this scene. But I try not to let that affect my viewing of this movie, given my affinity for the state. It was very hard. But when Maloney shows up as the chef, yeah. who's very haunted <laughs> by his past, yeah. that, killed, that, that was one of the funniest through lines of the movie for me. I had no idea that David Hyde Pierce was in this. And I had no idea that David Hyde Pierce and Janine Garofalo's Hello. relationship would arguably steal a lot of those romance scenes and mm -hmm. Janine Garofalo is probably my favorite performance. Now you could wake up on any given day and say, oh no, now this is my favorite part of what yeah. Now no, this is my, but yeah. Janine Garofalo, the way she delivers lines, whether she's going over the top and playing with the spoofiness of it, if she's just going nutso like her and Joe Latruglio towards the yeah. end when they're just wrecking everything, <laughs> trying to find yeah. a phone, but she can also just like play it normal and play it straight and, and knock that out of the park. She blew me away in this movie. Honestly, if they redid this, I would love to see Aubrey Plaza in a very similar oh, role. Yeah. Just to because like I really feel sure. like she took the Aubrey Plaza energy to this one. Anyway, my whole point is with that stacked of a cast, in my personal opinion, think about it this way. All you have to do is give them a premise and say action, right? That is the sole job of the director slash writer on this. What did you do other than that to make this <laughs> elevated? Other than maybe I mean, give they had them to come other up jokes. With all the premises. I understand Sky that. Skylab's falling. So you we, gotta stop it. So we the talk about <laughs> talk about this movie. It's almost like, yeah, it's sort of like again what we were talking about with two Leslie. Well, if your social group is a group of the greatest comedy minds, you doing a student film with them is not the same. So you you should I in my personal opinion, with the amount of talent that got there, I feel bad for everyone involved because it should have been better. Here's where like, I feel like been better. I, I, I understand your point, but I feel like since in the time that has passed since this movie came out, we've seen examples of sort of like normal comedies that were clearly made just be like that couple's vacation movie or whatever. Sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a movie that's made simply so you can hang out with your friends on a nice island. Same thing with, with at least one of those ocean sequels. Okay. And those are terrible. <laughs> this is funny. Yeah, like, what about like, the grown-ups? No, Sandler movie. Yeah, at the end of the day, this is funny. This is and way so bad. it should live in the world. Yeah. I just can't say that it is it is is a positive movie. I can't even give it that umph because in honesty, I if this was the same movie with some nobodies, I'd be like, okay, I get it. But it's almost like, what else would you do? Of course it's gonna be funny. These people would fall down <laughs> funny. Like there's yeah, nothing I, about them that's it, not gonna be funny. I don't know. I mean, I, I get that you gotta grade it on a curve a little bit, but I think there there's a there's a lot. There's a <laughs> do lot you, did you see all these names? This is not there's a lot that they're they are bringing to the table. They like are fun. Like those all those people get moments to be really funny in and this movie. And they are, but like, then don't you say to yourself, okay, that makes this a pretty average movie given the talents that you had on screen. I, mean, and I don't I don't do like I don't I don't feel like like I go into movies like, okay, well, this has got five celebrities. It's so not like that. It's more B like, maximum unless you really I'm not blow me. Away. Like, I don't. I like, what I'm I will trying say, to say on this podcast, as far as, as, the directing of this, as far as the directing of this movie goes, I think the big accomplishment from David Wayne as a director of this movie, it wasn't necessarily in making one cohesive story, but you take all these personalities, even before they got huge, and I feel like I got 
the perfect sampling. I feel like I went to Golden Corral with this movie, <laughs> and I got just the same amount of fried chicken as I did mac and cheese, as I did dessert, That's as fair. I did bread, as yeah. I did vegetables. Like everything. The felt, editor was good. It, it was very well balanced. <laughs> <laughs> You're so good at this. Yeah. The editor is really good. Yeah. He's like one of the best parts of the movie because he yeah. had to edit down a lot of this nonsense. Oh. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. But I and I traditionally love good spoof movies, but I have horror bad spoof movies. Fair. And this came out right around the time when I, I never really got into the scary movies as much. I can actually appreciate them more in retrospect than I can well, your meet yeah. the Spartans of the world. Right. And just the bad spoof movies. So this is even more of a light than it should have been, because if this comes out in the in the era where we're getting a top secret in 84, getting Naked Gun 87, then I think it's another really good spoof movie. But the uh, yeah. fact that it came out as recently as it did impresses me. They're, yeah. they're doing what the, the best spoof movies do, which is where they really try as closely as possible to sort of nail the vibe and the aesthetic and the style of the thing that's being parodied. Like, yeah. I think that's what Lonely Island does so well. Very true. As well, like right. Popstar is really good well, at that. Well, because like, is a really good director. Exactly. Like, that's a great example. Thank you. Popstar. Right. Look at how well they do that. Right, because, like, in Popstar, what Lonely Island is so good at, if they're making fun of, like, a Justin Bieber video, they're going to copy a Justin Bieber video, and you're going to recognize the elements that define a Justin Bieber video in their parody. And I think that's what Wayne also manages to do pretty well. And this is, like, it— feels like meatballs. It feels like sleepaway camp. I think it does. Like, essentially, aesthetically. I like, think aesthetically it does, but it doesn't have the same vibe. I'll give you this. Pop star feels like the same way you do when you watch the Justin Bieber movie of that. You get the inside peek of this person. Parts of it are comedic or laughable or fun. But there's also, like, that other side that's darker. And then there's, like, like literally, like, Katy Perry. What was her movie? This is me now. Yeah, like, right. Like, you know, part Miss of America. Or something. Look, the standard. I love that movie. The, the, standard, docu- the Katy Perry the documentary. Yeah, documentary. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. But so she good. goes through it, right? right. Like she really Russell Brand breaks up with her by but a text. text. But that's why Pop Star works so, so well. well. Because okay. it's exactly like, like watching one of those. Like it reminds you of it. And Walk Hard is another great yes. example. I don't walk feel like great Walk call, Hard yeah. so much like Walk the Line that you're, you're like, that's what makes it funny. This is the problem I have with What Hot American Summer. 
it feels like a sketch that wants to be within this, but it doesn't feel like it actually wants to be a movie that plays well, the same way that these hangout movies play. I'm just saying. You know, I, I, I think I get what you're it's saying. funny. It's so great. Okay, can you compare this then to something more like, I would say along the lines of Anchorman, which, believe it or not, plays it more straight than this movie does, or at least yes. it, it, mm-hmm. it, it's focused on one storyline yeah. a lot right. more than yeah. anything else. And then you have a lot of contributory players, but... Ron Burgundy's world is more consistent right. than the world. Anchorman is the same kind of movie like this, and that goes back to my Super Bowl party. But there's a metaphor. lot more connective tissue around it that makes it a better movie. But it's hard for me to sit down and watch Anchorman start to finish. As much as I love yeah. it, I can't watch the whole movie in one sitting. I feel like Wet Hot American Summer so doesn't care about itself in that way that, 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 that even Anchorman does, that it's so breezy that you can just kind of put it on as the background. Right. I think that the, what spoof movies like this, or what particularly Wet Hot American Summer gets away with, why we give it a pass is that we know that it's mocking something and we Mm. know that it's making fun of itself. So if there is something in there that comes out that appears to be problematic or just doesn't work from a comedic standpoint or just wasn't well executed, you can always just, well, that's part of the joke. This movie made a great extended sketch. The other ones made great movies. And that's the difference. This one wanted to make a great extended sketch with incredible set pieces, but it's not a movie. You don't Do follow. you feel like if there is one through line, let, let, let's just take the David Hyde Pierce, Gene Garofalo relationship. What if that was the one thing that we're rooting for? Then you have all these other little tributary things that don't equal the screen time, but we're focused on that story and how everybody else is affected by it. Is that more what you're talking about, where it's just like sticking to one story and telling it well? It's because I don't need that in no, every movie. No, I don't movie. need this in most movie either. I think it's just a matter. Of, Ron Burgundy isn't telling a great story. Well, <laughs> it's just Ron Burgundy finding a How soul. Dare you you no, know what I mean? But like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a very <laughs> simple character arc. I don't need a ton right. to get me to get me there with these films. But with this one, there was very little. And the one thing I will say to you, and I do stand by this. I know what they were trying to create, and they did. They created an incredible extended sketch. They (laughs) did, and they killed it. And, like, there are certain sort of, like, jokes or premises or films like that that work on that level, but I feel like they almost mix the mediums. It's like either you want to have a movie like a Walk Hard or a Pop Star, or you want to just make this a straight, like, Team America, hard pair. You know what I mean? Like, 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 really go— even broader. It's almost like I felt like they were trying to be in and out on realism in a way that didn't serve the actual story. I think there's one other thing I would say. I agree with with a lot of what you're saying. I think the one other thing I would add is I think part of it is Walk Hard, there's such an obvious, like, it's it's the musical biopic. Like, we all know that it's very clear. Here's the genre. And I think What Out of America is kind of straddling. There's the camp comedy, the the meatballs stuff. But then it's kind of also... Uh, one of those like Friday the 13th camp slasher films just yes. without the slasher. Exactly. So, like, like Ken Marino's character, I think he said Vic, Victor or whatever, he's actually playing a guy from Sleepaway Camp. Like he just, he's dressing <laughs> exactly the same and he's acting exactly the same and he like watched that guy's performance and is mimicking it. And like, you can't, so it couldn't go scene by scene and recreate Sleepaway Camp because that would be awful and none of us want to see that again. It really is almost like each little relationship in this movie gets to do a different, to your point, <laughs> right. make a different sketch. For it's example, a little bit of a sampler. We also yes. have that disaster movie parody with, right. with, with Space Lab. Yes. There's a comet that could hit Earth. 
And then we also have these little rivalries. We have people just trying to make out with someone. We have somebody who's got puppy love or yeah. somebody and else. It's the coming of age yes. stuff yeah. about exploring your, you know, who you are and what kind of person you want to be. Like, there's all a lot of genres are sort of Based, feeding in. And that's the problem I have with it. Like, because they put so much into it, it makes it great and for what it is. <laughs> but it doesn't make it a movie. This is a bouillabaisse and that's dope. But I would have rather just had a good chicken noodle. Like, give me what you're going to give me well instead of just, I think, throwing too many things. All right, so quick side note. I have been obsessed the last couple weeks with The Great British Bake Off. Sure. (laughs) I have been going nuts binging this and I started with the current season. I've been going back and they're Mm -hmm. they're all great. But I I love Paul and Prue as judges because this is the kind of stuff you're talking about where these are basically amateur bakers who hope to one day have a career and many of them from the Great British Bake Off have gone on to like launch their own successful platforms, but at heart they're amateurs, and so they're trying to impress these two judges. And a lot of times, the trouble they run into is they're like, "Okay, well, what's your showstopper?" And it's like this cake with nine different moving parts, and it's like yeah. you can't possibly get all of these nailed in four hours. So it just becomes something that's a little less. It, it's a, it's a little less, and and that's what I'm hearing is that you just tried to cram too, too much. much into this pot pie. Great British Bake Off. Hey, that oh, was a yeah. great walk to get there. I love yeah. that. Right. Right, that was but really like you really hit the nail I on the head. I thought you'd be happy that I didn't do another sports reference. No, I <laughs> I said great British bake off. <laughs> like that was options. a great It was either like, the food show or the sports, sports or GBBO. <laughs> I mean, honestly, as in my age, I've become a person that is happy with simplicity and routine. It's sure. comforting cuz the world is weird enough. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why you put on a movie like Wet Hot I, American yeah. Summer. And but by the way, this is not a meal I'm against. But don't tell you're me you're coming you're... to camp with Lon and I. No, I don't. God, saying we that. have fun. This oh, is not a meal that I did not enjoy. This is not a meal I didn't laugh at. Like legitimately, anytime Amy Poehler was on screen with her, just she's like too so much with it, I this. was living for it. But she's so good at this. It's <laughs> not. It's not what it needs to be. Considering all, and again, I just look at the ingredients. You're just list. looking at the sum of the you parts. You know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah. it just it ain't there. It could be, and it's great for what it was, but it ain't that. It's an all star team. It's an all-star team getting beat in 94 what, in Barcelona. What, what, no, whatever no, 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 no. what was we're, the Allen Iverson year? We're, we're back to sports. Yeah. It's, a, <laughs> it's an all-star team, but they know they're just playing in an all-star game and none of this matters. Exactly. They're and not they're, play, it's not an all-star team that's playing in the Super Bowl and this is for the world championship. This is just, we're all really good at this and we're just going to put on yeah. an exhibition yeah. I mean, I, for the fans. I, the difference is I really like stuff like that. Like I find it refreshing that Paul Rudd just gets to be silly. Like, True. we know what he can do when he's acting and when he's really, like, paying By attention to telling a real story. And, like, he's great. I like Paul Rudd in, in lots of things. But it's fun to just get to see him not have to worry about so consistency. Here's, it's fun. It's here's not the, fresh. Yeah, it's I, fun. It's not fresh. That, that's what I was going to ask Juan to do. Because, because Jacqueline's yeah, made, done a great job. Getting the bumper sticker. Getting, getting of, that on a t-shirt. Of telling us why she, you can enjoy this movie, but you don't think it's fresh. So why does this movie, as far as, like, a critical take on it. Mm -hmm. Why do you think this movie deserves to be fresh? Because you're better at articulating these things (laughs) and you're the guest. We're going to put all the pressure on you. Uh, I mean, listen, I, to me, it's about, it's about the consistent level of humor. Like a lot of comedies are funny for a while. And then you got that 20 minutes where they got to work out the plot and suddenly things get very serious and it's not as much fun. Uh, It's very hard to make a comedy that is consistently funny the whole way through. Every scene has at least a few jokes. And like the jokes per minute quotient, I would say, is even very high with this movie. Mm. And like 
that's not a thing you see very often. I think there's a lot of things where it's like there's three really funny sequences and then you're kind of waiting around for the rest of the movie mm. to like get there. And I don't feel that way with Wet Hot American Summer or really a lot of Dave and Wayne. Like they came together as the same where it's like every scene has at least one or two. Maybe not every joke maybe is working, but every scene has at least one or two very funny moments and sometimes small things that are going to be memorable or make you laugh. We were talking about how great Janine Garofalo is before. I agree. in this. There's one moment where David I. Pierce is, is laying out for her the dangers, like it's coming and it's this angle. And she just responds all of a sudden. He's like, well, we might have a problem with uh, Sky. And she goes, oh, my God, <laughs> like really dramatic, like stares off into the distance. Yeah. And it's such a Jesus. perfect yeah. disaster movie moment, like something you may not have even realized people do in disaster yeah. movies until you see her do it. And it's so, but there's so many great little and moments. The, like the that. first there time, the, the first time, tennising that back to David Hyde Pierce when they first meet. Yeah. And she just, you know, Sorry, <laughs> just brings up right randomly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if, you, if you'd want to come right. teach the kids, <laughs> yeah. he just shoots her down. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Like, before it's you even so say good. it, when you're just like, you know, I'm like, I'm already thinking about it. It's <laughs> already there. Hey, you know what? Uh, you know, it'd be a great idea if you came by the camp and taught the campers about space. Uh, uh, no, no, I, I, I couldn't. Oh, they'd love it. No, no, I, I, I couldn't possibly. But... Oh, it'd be just... You know, I said no! Sorry. Oops. And then there, there was one other one I was going to say. Uh, the delinquent, my Schmodan character, was actually inspired by this movie. Really? Uh, the scene where Paul Rudd, he's sitting and he's finished his lunch and he just goes, knocks the <laughs> lunch tray off like he's a disaffected teen. He's yeah. done with it. And he knocks the lunch plate. And Janine Garofalo's walking by and she goes, well, you got to pick that up. And he does the most labor like, <sighs> I do love like he's giving you the picture of what Fonzie would be like in real life. Right, like yeah. that's what I literally I'm glad we're bringing yeah. it to Paul. Ooh, that's a good yeah. Call. Because yes. like for me, that's what I did in with these with these characters is I um, you know, Amy Poehler's character reminds me of the girl with the cardigan and Heathers at the very beginning sure. when they're doing yeah. the lunchtime yeah. poll. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can pick each of these people's archetypes out of various teen movies and some horror movies, some comedies, right. somewhere, some of them cult classics and everywhere in between. But Paul Rudd's character, obviously, in this one is just one that sort of, like, stands out with his, like, did he have the puka shells on? Is this right? He, he did. Yes, he did. He, did. Yeah, he had I the puka know, shells. I, I, I like, specifically noticed the puka shells. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. the puka shells, the look, the attitude, the bra. Like, he is just that guy it's, it's in this. Amazing. And I, I really do love that he's become synonymous, even with this very small movie in his, like, sort of, like, pantheon of other things that he's doing. Also, yeah, he's got Ant-Man coming out this weekend. I was yeah. to say, he's got Ant-Man coming out. The third Ant-Man movie. The third yeah. Ant-Man coming out, Quantumania. And again, like, did you think that the guy from, again, also role models, Dave, uh, David Wayne movie, but also mm. like the guy yeah. from Clueless, did you think he was going to be a superhero movie with his own like opening or like, no. you know? Like, well, you didn't know what he was going to be from from Clueless because he was just this nice looking dude who was, was kind of like the guy next door, but you didn't know if he could be as funny as it yeah. would require to hang with the crew from Wet Hot American Summer or the 40-Year-Old Virgin. Yeah. Then you also obviously don't know that somebody who's now we've established, okay, we like you, you're funny, you may be a vampire because you're so ageless. Yeah. Can Dude. you be a superhero? And he can pull that off too. Also, I do love that we're talking about Wet Hot American Summer because Paul Rudd's anti-aging techniques, whatever they may be, were on full display in the sequel because that was filmed like, what, 15 years yeah. after the original? and. Everybody else aged and not great. These are yeah. comedians who drank and smoked and did all the My, things that you do. Are you saying our lifestyle isn't the healthiest? <laughs> exactly. they, they play, you know, because they're playing, they don't, 
they don't de-age them at all. They do no effort to make them look younger. They just yeah. have them playing themselves in the same, you know, summer from Wet Hot American Summer. And Michael Showalter is hilarious. Yes, because he, he's... he filled out, you know, became like a big guy. Yeah, yeah. And he's just playing Coop the same, same way. <laughs> like, Speaking of, same way. <laughs> just because I, I don't want to forget this, what, my, arguably my favorite character in the entire movie is... The the host of the talent show that we're going oh up God. to all day is a Michael Showalter <laughs> character. And it's just this old, like, Catskills comedian. That's, like, what the hell is this way, guy doing By the way, Marvelous Mrs. Here? Basil Inception. Yeah. <laughs> You're watching it, and every time I see it, there, there's a little tinge of, oh, my God, that's the ghost of Christmas future. But it also <laughs> reminded me of Mr. Saturday Night, yeah. which is a very tough movie yeah. for comics to watch. And where it's Billy Crystal, like 90, still doing like like jokes at, at a bowling alley. And you're like, this poor guy just got a gig. But it's so funny. And it was heartwarming to see. How, he's got another. How hard he's killing. Yeah. Yeah. In this little room in the middle of nowhere. nowhere. But he's murdering. Yeah. Yeah. When I was at camp, my favorite activity was always arts and crafts. Or as we used to call it, arts and farts and crafts. <laughs> we used to make drawings. Cave drawing, which is my way of saying you were cavemen. I went to camp so long ago that I can remember saying sticks and stones may break my bones and meaning it. He's got another one of those like little tiny, almost not even a joke jokes that's so memorable when he calls. They do, they're doing day by day from Godspell. Yeah. Like, one of my favorite Broadway numbers. Day bidet. I don't know why him pronouncing it like that is so funny. And I can't be sure, given the herbal medication I was enjoying as of last night watching it. I, I most of the time I watch movies with you the subtitles on. You were awake on your on herbal now. medication. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it kind of helps me get to bed, but okay. it also helps with the knee slap and sometimes yeah, watching yeah. a movie. Sure. But I, I have the subtitles on. And I'm pretty sure I would have picked up on it, but there's a chance I didn't. But I read Day Bidet, and I was like, boom, great <laughs> joke. Bidet. Yeah. Oh, I didn't get that. I just thought it was like a, like, yeah. like, with the Day like, Bidet. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 I can honestly say that there is no Broadway ditty closer to my heart than the one that you just heard, Day Bidet. I didn't even get but that. But if I can ask you, Ron and, and Jacqueline, if you've seen it too, because uh, given my lack of expertise on this movie and what it's created since then, I was talking to producer Brian and he's like, no, I think the, the sequel was a, was a TV series. What, yeah, was it like was a series. There's two Netflix eight-episode spinoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Series. How uh, do we feel about this? There's a prequel and a sequel? Yeah. Well, yeah. what is first day of camp, which goes to the, the the first day of this summer that we see? We see the last day of camp in Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah. So the first Netflix show is a prequel that shows them all arriving to begin this that summer. And it was filmed when they were way old. So they're all just comedic. they're all just old playing themselves as yeah. high schoolers. Uh, and then the next one is ten years later, and we see a full dramatization of them meeting up again ten years later to like talk about their lives. And how do we feel about these? Did they live I, up to it? I think they're great. I mean, it's it's not the same experience because like we were saying with the with the with the movie, it's like joke a minute. It's yeah. not really a story. It's just coming at you. These they they try to make them more of like a show. And so it's more there's rise and fall and plot lines and whatever. So if that sounds good to you. It might sound good to Jacqueline. I was just about to say um <laughs> the limitations yeah. are are apparent in some of them. Yes. I the mean, limitations to their storytelling did not, like, the weakness that they were maybe papering over in this first one was not something they fortified as they made it linear. Mm. It was still, in my opinion, pretty flimsy. It's and, very, it's the same sense of gleeful absurdity. Yeah. Nothing has to really link up. Nothing has to make logical sense. But 
they are fleshing it out more and like putting a lot more. And this one into seems it. like it did. And I will go go back and watch these just again because I enjoy the creators I really, so I much. I think they were better received. If I they were, right. they, yeah. I mean, they, like there were a lot of Wet Hot American Summer fans already, including yes. among critics by the time these came out. So yeah, they, pe- there was a more receptive. And people just know if yeah. this is a thing for me. I think going. And it's in. also fun. But I mean, they to had better see, reviews overall. But you also yeah. see how famous so many of these people become, and so it's like, oh my god, I can't believe. Yeah, like we they still all came back. Right? Yeah. yeah, they all they all come back. He did come back. And then the Paul Rudd of it all, he looked the same. Like, he legit. Like, he's now, I study him now. Because, first of all, I study any white person that rivals black people's skin. Mm -hmm. Because, personally, as somebody that lives with somebody that it irritates, he's older than me. He's older than me. He's got, he's got good, uh, he's got, he's got good genes. And he's just, it's, it's infuriating that he's getting better. I feel like he and Tom Cruise are both, like, they're right at this point where it is starting. It is just Just in the last few, like, months, like, six months, they're actually beginning to to look like human people. And it never used to happen. No. Like, you would see Tom Cruise years apart, you'd be like, still exists? But this one with that same bad wig, Take one, take two. Yeah, it, is it is like it, you don't even remarkable. see a difference. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why you should go see Quantumania because he's finally become, <laughs> finally becoming human. He's finally becoming a man. It took a trip count, to the quantum realm, but it's finally every happening. wrinkle for your sanity. I appreciate it for you. Anyway, that's kind of wrapping can't up. Can't imagine what being shrunk <laughs> and then re and then, then going huge and then coming back. Baby, I can't imagine what that does to your man, skin. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I really hope he's investing in moisturizer because he should. Anyway, that's it for us on Movie Talk. We're gonna go ahead and transition over into. Our mailbag. How y'all doing to our Ketchup Crew member, Damaris Ortiz? Dear Mark and Jacqueline, please talk about Along Came Polly. Mm, This movie is criminally underrated. It is hilarious all the way through with multiple laugh out loud moments. The movie isn't perfect, but it's really nice to see a rom-com pull off being sweet while not taking itself too seriously. It is infinitely watchable. Best Damaris Ortiz. Dying to know what Jacqueline thought of the Avatar sequel. P.S. I love this. I keep my opinions to myself. Um, <laughs> we, were, we were at, we were yeah, at this together. We were at the together. Avatar. Do Avatar first. Let me go. just say this about Avatar real quick. Um, this is what's weird. I like Avatar unironically. I just do. I, I like the world. I don't put too much thought behind it. I just like James Cameron being James Cameron doing James Cameron things. And I was in on on the world more thanks to this movie yeah. than I was the first one. It's one of those movies where I will say this, and I know I'm wrong because it's a $2 billion franchise, so it does need to be something that we um, examine critically. But this is one of those ones where it just ain't that deep. I know it's underwater, but it just ain't that deep. It's space <laughs> zombies. Like, let's, you know, it's yeah. like space blue people. Like, let's just go and have, like, fun in space for Ungully. Like, just, let's just do it. Yeah. You know what you just know? makes me so, like, it, it, I'm just tired of it is people who are trying to seem cooler than everyone else by saying, I don't even know anybody that saw Avatar. That, it's like, uh, maybe maybe you no, are no. the problem. Humans. That is, but this is the <laughs> one thing about that. Yeah. Maybe you need to go outside. This is the one thing. The first Avatar, I was like that. It was not on my radar. And I will tell you all this. That is not as strange as you would think. Because Avatar plays wide, but there is a very high lane 
of black and brown people that are just not about that movie and they never have it's it. And fine it's fine like, if you don't yeah. care about it, I don't want to see it. But, but it's it, like, I'm not giving anybody cool points no, not for giving not you knowing any cool someone points, who's no. seen a popular movie. I'll, I was going to say, let's talk about Along, Comes, Along Came Polly because this is one of those ones, this is another one of these manic, pissy dream girls, probably just a hot girl with autism stories from that time frame. <laughs> like Julia Stiles Before was in we one. we really understood autism, we thought they were just... Uh, Legitimately, good, I've just, seen way too, to TikTok, too many TikTok thought, videos. Garden that State was our understanding. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> too many TikTok videos. You take all the symptoms of autism mm-hmm. and you put them up against all these manic pixie dream girls and it's basically like, oh, it's a hot girl with autism. That's it. <laughs> That's why she's a manic pixie dream girl. Hey. She doesn't like sweaters. No, she has sensory issues. Could have worked for Ben Stiller. <laughs> yeah. this, and this has yeah. uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman in it. I was going to yeah. say... The, the real, like, I'll look about, it's fine. Scene stealer. But it does feature an amazing, amazing comedic performance from, from the great Him playing PSH. basketball. Yeah. With the, with the sweat. But it's also, does he shart himself does he? at some point? There, I think that's also a There's a, a lot of body point. function humor. There's the, the, the chest hair where he's just yeah. sliding down a dude's chest. But it's also just watching Philip Seymour Hoffman. And he's, I mean, I'm sure he could actually shoot in real life better than this. <laughs> right. But his shot in the movie, he's so laughably And he's always calling it, too. Yeah. He's like, Kobe. Yeah. And then yeah. Kobe. Like, it's bouncing that's off. Right. Yeah. He does say Kobe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah. That is not a far distance from when he did William Frequin when the devil knows you're dead. Like no. this is not far His away from ability, that in the timeline. Right, right. Like it's so crazy to me that he did a movie like this in that timeline. Yeah, I was just talking about there was a Twitter prompt that was going around that's like, what's a what's a great performance where he's yelling, where the guy's yelling all the time? And I would say PSH in uh, Punch Drunk Love is like he was he could be so funny, he could be so dark, he could be so sad. It's like he could play anything. Him yeah. yelling in the master, too. Yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, what, he's got that rise to anger where it's like, oh, he's a congenial dude, but yeah. if you don't buy what he's selling, boy, does that switch. Charlie like, Wilson's uh, war has some great oh, yelling, Wilson, yelling some great oh. yelling sequence. Lon, sir, it was great having you again. Oh, uh, I might I add that all of our guests bring a certain vibe, but you always bring, and I say this as a compliment, a professorial vibe yeah. to everything that you do. We, There's we, a little we, bit of a delinquency uh, under the professor. I know from experience. I didn't say that you were like, not like the Berkeley Stone professor that is normally late 10 times, you know, and I'm not saying that you're like that guy, but He's it the does, tenured professor who's selling to the kids. I, yeah, I am only an assistant. Exactly. I'm sadly just an assistant professor. Exactly, so. you know. but the, No tenure yet. But we always learn something when you're here and so before we get out of here this is this is you'll that. get your tenure track it, once you win the Hopkins <laughs> I'm working on the oh Hopkins prize yeah, the, oh he the, wins the Hopkins award and he comes out with a trophy with a that they got to him with a little league minutes. trophy yeah god it's like clearly a little yeah. league trophy it may just be a bunch of dumb sketches but my so, god did it so make good. me laugh oh my god y'all are nuts <laughs> sir what, tell us what you're working on before I make this any worse of an exit. <laughs> oh, well, uh, you, everybody should definitely check out my uh, podcast I do every week with Hal Rudnick. It's called Binge Boys. Yeah. Uh, we just talk about whatever we're watching on streaming platforms, and uh, it gets a little heated sometimes. More than more than this. This is very convenient. You guys get <laughs> to uh, Phil Hoffman levels of yelling? I think their tastes are not similar in a I lot mean, of they, ways. They are sometimes. But not then on new sometimes, shows? Well, we, it's everything. Movies, too. Like, we, I really yelled at him about Banshees of Inishir. I felt bad at <laughs> I was like, I should call Hal. You don't like, like it? 
I didn't, I, it wasn't even that I hated it. I just didn't like it as much as most people. Damn. <laughs> well, you were like ready to, do y'all need a therapist? Do y'all need a therapist to we deal might. with this? Honestly, <laughs> we could use a moderator. We could, at some points we could use third party moderators. I've had that I'm experience. I'm not signing up for this. <laughs> like, I've done podcasts in the past, like way in the distant past, where it's like afterwards, it's like, I should probably call them. But yeah, yeah. you and I have never had to call no. each other. Every once in a while, I'm and like. we've gone at it. But we've, we've never needed. had to, call, we've Actually, never had to have the phone call. I will say without question, I hope anybody else would, do, this is, you are by far the most productive and non-drama relationship I've ever had with an adult man. Uh-oh, wow. I'm getting a phone call after this episode. No! <laughs> That's like, legit. I, I really cherish it in that. All right, well, Alon, thank you so much for joining us again, sir, My this pleasure. week. I want to let everyone know, you can be like Damaris and email us at rtiswrongatrottentomatoes.com and let us know what you think we should cover next. She did, an, they did an incredible choice with Alon Came Polly. I don't want to gender you one way or the other, but... Wherever you're listening to this, anyone, please rate, review, and subscribe. Do it. Share it with your friends. Let everyone know that they can listen to us debate about the merits of Paul Rudd's aging in Wet Hot American Summer. (laughs) (laughs) In general. Moisturize. I I, I hope it's that. I really hope it's that. Oh, my God. All right. That's it for us this week on Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. A big thank to Mr. (laughs) Byron Perez, our guest this week, Lon Harris. Of course, Tim Ryan, our two minutes with Tim. I'm Jacqueline Coley. This is Mark Ellis. And we will see you all next time. 